श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए श्री श्री गौराधा माधव की जाए गुरभक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेम आनंदे वेलकम एवरीवन मॉर्निंग सो यस्टरडे आई मेंशन दैट आई वांटेड टू स्पीक अ लिटिल फ्रॉम अ वर्स फ्रॉम द तांत्रिक प्रोजेक्ट गोतमीय तांत्रिक इज वन ऑफ द तांत्रिक टेक्स्ट्स दैट आर that is uh, cited from considerably on the part of the founding uh, charges teachers the architects of our uh Chaitanya Vaishnav lineage and uh given that uh, we're speaking a little bit these days about Radha Tattva this uh, verse that we've selected is uh one that speaks about her by way of um really a verse consisting of different names of radha and it's a verse that uh, kaviraj goswami krishnadas has invoked in chaitanya charitamrita in his uh, explanation of radha tattva in the context of explaining the phenomenon of radha and krishna's um oneness and difference and how ultimately the oneness if you will um in terms of union uh results in the dynamic um manifestation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu the founder of our uh, sampradaya and the, as it's thought the combined form of Radha and Krishna hmm? Sri Krishna Chaitanya Radha Krishna Nayanya hmm? rasaraj mahabhav duyek rupa is a couple of ways in which it's which is uh, stated hmm? krishna is the rasaraj the king of rasa or love and radha is the love itself personified hmm? rasaraj mahabhav duyek ek rupa the two in one form Adisuman Mahaprabhu, Sri Chaitanya Dev Ki Jai. So, miscite the verse. Devi Krishna Mahi Prakta Radhika Paradevata. Sarva Lakshmi, Sarva Kanti, Sarva Lakshmi Mahi, Sarva Kanti Som Sammohini Para. They say this is a uh, verse of names really in krishna says in, in the bengali this is a sanskrit verse and bengali has given some explanation of the uh, various names the implication of them so we'll just go go through them and see where it uh, it leads us devi first name devi he says krishna says that devi means brilliant effulgent uh, illuminating hmm? and um this of course is the very uh nature of radha that she sheds light on krishna hmm? who's thought to be the light of lights so the under story here the secret behind the scenes is that uh she sheds light on him she sheds light on him as the deity 
who is the counter whole of the male diad of divinity, Radha and Krishna, she, uh, she sheds a light on him. Um, welcome. Um, as the deity who who sits on the throne along with him, but at the same time uh, is the best example of devotion. So in Krishna we have the perfect object of love. In Radha we have his counter whole, who is equally a deity for us, who at the same time is more than the perfect object of love in that she's also the example of how to uh, personify or offer the love. So, hmm. ideal of devotion, deity and ideal of devotion at once. Hmm. So her brilliance, if you will, uh, illuminating power, in a sense the word Devi here, the name Devi speaks about this aspect of her Puja Patrita Marsh has uh, written a, a beautiful uh, commentary on uh, the Gayatri Mantra in which he brings this out. There you have the idea, of course, uh, the Goswamis, uh, Jiva Goswami in particular has written also um, a brief commentary on, on Gayatri uh, in his Sandarvas. Uh, this, of course, in the context of pointing out or demonstrating or playing out the, the the idea that the Bhagavatam itself is a commentary on Gayatri. Gayatri Basya Rupo So, it's said in the Purana, Guru Purana, Gayatri Basya Rupo So, that, uh, about the Bhagavatam, that it is a commentary on the uh, on the Gayatri. Hmm. I was speaking at uh, the Janmastami, the birth celebration of Krishna, earlier uh, this year, just the month uh, or so and a half passed, and um, we uh, told, a little, told a little bit the story of of Gayatri's um, role, if you will, in um, revealing Krishna. It's said that, to go briefly to the story, if I may, that, uh, that Brahma was performing a sacrifice and there was a time, appropriate time in the sacrifice for his wife, um, Saraswati, to participate. But she was preoccupied and couldn't, couldn't be there by force of circumstance. This is described in the Purana. I don't know the details, but suffice to say that she couldn't be there and it was a problem. And so Indra um, thought to grab another another wife, get him another wife for the occasion, something like that. And so um, he made a quick uh, search and <laughs> these are the good stories and and <laughs> and he found a beautiful uh, milkmaiden just that it was very startling. I mean he's looking for a celestial being to accompany uh, Brahma in, in the sacrifice, as a role of in the in, in the role of a, of a wife, and the celestials, you know, they're a little different than us. But he was startled in his search by a mortal, if you will, one of us, um, who 
seemed as uh, celestial and more, for that matter, carrying yogurt on her head to the market. And so he quickly grabbed her and threw her into the sacrificial arena. And uh, Vishnu said, marry her right away by the Gandharva rite. There are different type of marriage rites or uh, rituals. The Gandharva is is one of them. Um, it's typically thought that, uh, um, and practiced really in, in Hinduism, um, especially in times gone by, the idea of arranged marriages where the astrological chart of the man and the woman will be done and and um, their, um, um, how would you say, their compatibility uh, somewhat uh, determined by that and, and so forth. And it's not something that's very much different than anything that used to happen in the United States previously where a man would have to come and ask the hand of the daughter from, the, from, the, from her father and he would ask, where are you from and what's your family like and what's your background and and so forth and so on. So they would try to uh, uh, assess, and people do it today, I'm sure, to some extent, to the compatibility of the uh, of the uh, partners to be, if you will. Uh, um, uh, but that said, the interesting thing is uh, that the Gandharva rite for marriage is the most prominent form of uh, marriage ritual promoted in in the Vedas, mm-hmm. and it goes something like this: If a girl and a boy like one another, they should get married. That's the right. <laughs> should be so. We're doing the good thing here uh, with that <laughs> in our modern times. Mm-hmm. Indeed, it's said in the Mahabharat that uh, something to the effect that women. Uh, uh, men no longer ask a woman's hand in marriage from her parents, and, and women don't wait for that either. They can make their own decisions. It's said in the Mahabharata. Hmm. And so it was. It's, it's an advocacy of the Gandharva type of marriage. So um, go with the feeling, something like that. And so they married Brahma and this... Uh, uh, Milkmaiden, but obviously it became a problem for the village, where the suddenly their daughter was missing, hmm? <laughs> and so they they made a com- complaints and uh, and Vishnu, who was their god, hmm, whom they worshipped, their Vaishnavas, he responded and acknowledged that yes, I can see how it'd be a problem for you, but there were special circumstances. I know that don't really doesn't really make up for it, but. Um, let me try to make up for it by promising to appear in your community. I will avatar, I will descend at some point in your community. And, um, and of course, that's the Janamastami, that is Krishna's, that's Vishnu fulfilling his promise to the coward community. And uh, Krishna's being born as Anabira, which, which has like one part Brahman, three parts Vaishya, something like that. So Gayatri is like that from the Vaishya community, but 
Also, she's an Abira. She's partially, she was a girl who partially had the Brahminical influence. It was thought suitable for Brahmins. Anyway, the point is, the story, we need to know the points of the story. <laughs> the point is that Gayatri <coughs> delivers Krishna. Hmm? Gayatri is all about Krishna. And it's an important point because um, there are many interpretations of Gayatri Mantra, not only within the New Age circles and so forth, <laughs> which can get a little bit out there, but um, within Hinduism as well. Hmm? What is the, And so uh, the Goswami, Shijiva, in his Sandarbhas, has made a point to write a brief uh, commentary on Gayatri um, in consideration of the fact that the Purana, Garuda Purana, says that Bhagavatam is a commentary on the Gayatri Mantra. Satyam Param Dimahi. Dimahi, of course, is is a word from the uh, from from the from the Gayatri, which is the prototype of all Vedic mantras. Hmm? Om, then Gayatri, then all the mantras proceed from there. Hmm? So, I won't go into the details of how the Bhagavatam is a commentary on Gayatri, but you should be able to catch the, the basic idea. Hmm? If Gayatri delivers Krishna, well, Bhagavatam is all about love of Krishna. And so Jiva Goswami makes a, like a brief commentary on it. Pujapatrita Marsh later in our times, he was very much uh, known not for being a prolific writer. My Guru Marsh Prabhupada was a prolific writer, as you know. He wrote an extensive commentary on the Bhagavatam, Gita, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, and some of his own original books as well. Uh, some commentaries on other Upanishads, like uh, the, the uh, Isha Upanishad and so on. Quite a number of books. Quite a he, he wrote enough letters to make you know, I don't know, seven or eight, ten volumes of of books as well. Um, that while traveling around the world, a dozen over a dozen years, pretty much uh, nonstop. So he was a prolific uh, writer. Of course, you can't always cross your T's and dot all your I's in a situation like that. Um, Sridhar Marsh, by contrast, was more of an introverted person, and um, he was a composer. Hmm? Prabhupada was writing a, more as a, as a commentator, Sridhar Marsh more as a composer, so he composed original works in Sanskrit, which uh, is probably not something you can do flying around the world managing a worldwide movement. You're going to take a little more time to, uh, to work on that. So a small number of... Uh, um, um, books. The Prapanaji Banamrita is uh, is a is a very worthwhile one um, that uh, I was given a copy of that book. Prapanaji Banamrita means the life of the surrendered souls. Prapanna Jivanamrita, the immortal. Life, Amrita, of the jivas who are prapanna, doing sharanagati, hmm? surrendering to Krishna, ex- doing engaged in ananya bhakti, exclusive devotion to Krishna alone. Hmm? This is a very nice book, um, and I was given a copy some years back of Prabhupada's copy of the book. His sister, Babatarini, paid for the printing of Prapanajiva Namrita. 
and I had a copy of Prabhupada's book where he signed it twice, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, A.C. Bhaktivedanta. This is my copy, something like that. So um, then some other, anyway, very, uh, very beautiful. I mean, his, his um, what is it? Um, description of Gaur Leela, um, the name of the book, uh, I can't recall, but a Sanskrit book of hundred-some verses taking us through the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, significant uh, points in the Leela and bringing out the teaching and so forth. It's, it's, it's uh, analogous to some of the biographical, sacred biographies that were written hundreds of years ago, hmm? a little shorter than, than most of them. And uh, he tended to position himself something like that with regard to these compositions. Um, something like Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur, who did books like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu. Hmm? Rupa Goswami wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, The Ocean of the Nectar of Bhakti. Vishwanath wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Bindu. Bindu means a drop, a drop from the ocean. So he tried to condense the book down. Bhagavatamrita Khan means like a particle of the Brihat Bhagavatamrita uh, and so forth. Um, uh, the Madhurya Kadambani is a, takes one, takes two verses from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu of Rupa Goswami and he makes a whole book out of that, small book. So Srinivas was something like that with regard to his uh, compositions. But anyway, uh, I'm saying give me some background, but he wrote a commentary also on on Gayatri, hmm? which in which he he demonstrated that that I guess he was his thinking at the onset. If Gayatri is about Krishna, hmm? Hmm? For, for attaining Krishna, then the the way in which it will be attained must be found within there as well. So Savitur, the light. Burbuaswa means the different planes of experience, the physical plane, the mental plane, intellectual plane, hmm? beyond which is is the self. So it's often thought to be a, a, a mantra, the Gayatri, worship of the sun, sabitur meaning sun, the world is lit by the sun, I offer my respects to the sun, and sometimes the sun is thought of as a, symbolically as um, as God, Appears on his own, hmm? disappears on his own. No one can has his own time. Hmm? Is time, hmm? and is significant in terms of his influence in our lives. Hmm? But um, here in his commentary, he um, makes the point that the light of the world that illumines and makes meaningful the physical, the mental, and the intellectual plane of, of experience is the self, the atma. <laughs> hmm? So another light, not the sun. Sun lights the world in a physical way, but the self lights the world hmm? and, and in a meaningful way. Hmm? Without the self, who cares if the sun rises and sets? It won't mean anything. It means something... To us, we give, as I often say, meaning to the world. The Atma, the self-consciousness, gives meaning to matter and makes it matter. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Hmm? So, 
the light of the world in a in a deeper sense hmm, is the self tat savitur barenyam bhargo devasya here devasya refers to krishna the playful divinity hmm? and barenya means that above the light of the self hmm, there is a worshipable venerable a venerable plane of uh, a realm from which we as units of light and illumination if you will are derived we are a unit of derived sat derived chit derived ananda hmm? such as ananda anu atomic particle only hmm? so we are the light of the world but we are not bright enough to dispel the darkness indeed sometimes it 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 obscures hmm, the light that we are and we find ourselves groping in the darkness hmm, trying to find that which is actually ourself trying to find pleasure ananda trying to find security hmm, um, trying to find our way trying to find sat chit ananda and particularly to find ananda to find love hmm, find where we can repose our capacity to love such that it will it will bear the fruit hmm, the fruit of love is that the giving which love is about is the uh, the receiving itself to so to experience that so barenyam bhargo devasya so there's a barenyam there's a there's a, a venerable plane from which we derive if you will hmm, the light of lights that's not obscured by the darkness of the world hmm? and that light is god krishna and devasya who's playful and so forth and uh, and and the lord of lilas and uh, um i mean the supreme god must have nothing to do hmm? is the idea of all the gods and goddesses in hinduism everybody's got something to do hmm? some something they need to accomplish hmm? for which they're depicted in 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 graphically in terms of their number of heads or hands or weapons or the carrier the animal carrier they're riding on and so forth hmm? they have something to accomplish even the vishnu tattva in their appearance in the world have something to accomplish the establishing of dharma hmm? for example hmm? but krishna we find he has nothing to accomplish he's just playing the word leela it speaks about play it's a solution really to the problem of omniscience and omnipotence which you might think was desirable to know everything and to be everywhere but if you know everything and you're everywhere then there's nothing to do and there's nowhere to go hmm? could lend to boredom and so when you're bored then you play hmm? so there is leela play and it constitutes a kind of knowing that transcends omniscience a kind of movement that transcends um omnipresence brahman is everywhere can't move it's already everywhere there's nowhere to go knows everything 
and Krishna's Parambrahma and is moving and he seems unknowing. Hmm? He seems unknowing. And that love is said to know no reason. Hmm? A kind of divine unknowing for the purpose of loving hmm? in intimacy. Hmm? If he knows that he's God, how close can he get to us? Like attracts like, so. Hmm? He makes himself like us, finite like in appearance. This is Krishna. Hmm? And who, who not only who, who sheds light on him, hmm? he, there is a plane that is venerable. Hmm? It's presided over by the playful God. There is the term in uh, in in the in the literature, the sacred literature, Vaikuntha. Vaikuntha means like beyond anxiety, something like that. Hmm? Uh, something anxiety that pervades our material existence. Beyond that, and there is mention of a Mahavaikuntha. Ma means great. So this is reference to the Golok, the playful abode of Krishna, where. There is the possibility of not only love of God in awe and reverence, hmm, agape, but a transcendent uh, eros, if you will, hmm, an intimacy with the Godhead, hmm, without any of the um, implications of uh, erotic, the negative imp- implications or downside of the eroticism on this this plane. Hmm? devoid as it is of any self-interest, selfish purpose. Hmm? So, Bhargo means light also. We have Savitur and Gayatri. Bhargo, Bhargo also means light. But this light, in Pujapaj's Sridhar commentary, he uh, identifies with Radha. He, she who sheds light for us hmm? on the the playful hmm, God, um, Krishna. Indeed, she is the force, the power that we call bhakti, that enables that he who is everywhere to move hmm, and dance. Hmm. He who knows everything to become to enter into a divine unknowing that is a type of knowing that transcends, if you will, or exceeds the knowing of omnipotence, which has limits in it. Hmm? Excuse me, uh, omniscience. Uh, similar. Hmm? It, it has it has limits. If you're omniscient, you've you got a problem, really. Yogis, they want to be omniscient. There's a sadhana for that. You can attain that. It's not our, our concern. Hmm? Ignorance is bliss. This is the idea. So... so <laughs> Some, the forgetfulness of his godhood, hmm? if you will, by the force, by the power of love, makes him accessible in ways that uh, he otherwise would not. Hmm? And makes for the possibility of love in all of its nuance to be um, hmm, reposed uh, in the godhead, to be, to have a, have a uh, to be, uh, an expression of uh, of divine life. Hmm? If we have only love and awe and reverence and all other forms of love, 
to which law, law in this world, love and awe and reference takes a back seat to. Hmm? All right, you go to church and you pray and everything like that. Then, but if something's, if if your kids are sick, you stay home <laughs> from church, something like that. Or you may be in church, but your mind is on your wife or your your or your fiance or as may, as may be the case, be the case so it's uh so there's this in Gaudi Vaishnavism we have this reversal here where as much as front and center if you will uh, in human life is parental love is romantic love is is friendly love and a servile love between the student and the teacher hmm? all of which express a greater measure of intimacy than reverential love, where these types of love have application in transcendence. That you need a special kind of deity. Hmm? This is the deity uh, uh, we call Krishna, hmm? Rasaraj. And who sheds light on him? Hmm? That is Radha. So Bargo Devasya. Dimahi is invoking the idea to meditate on, on this idea. Hmm? It's, I'm just giving a brief overview of his his uh, salient points of his, uh, his 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 commentary. So the word Devi here means brilliant, illuminating, who sheds light on on the uh, all luminous one. What can it mean? Hmm? How can you shed <laughs> light on he who is self uh, I- I- illumined? Hmm? It means the light of, of, of the possibility hmm, of intimacy with, with the Godhead. She personifies that. And the word Devi, Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami says in his Bengali uh, explanation of this Sanskrit verse, also means the abode, hmm, the dham, the realm hmm, in which that playful Godhead resides. Hmm? He resides in, in, in her heart, the sky. He is the residing in the sky of her heart, something like that. She, the, it is described like that in Bhagavatam. Damnasya, what is it? Damnasya, so it's coming in this last section here. Dhamna means light, it means his abode. And, 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 so, Devi, one of her names, important uh, figure, theological um, figure, personification, I should say, of theological concepts that can help us get a handle on those concepts and, um, and embrace them in a very um, artful and um, uh, charming Way that uh, we can, uh, through which we can bond emotionally with the concept, hmm? the theological concept 
through the person personification of the principle hmm, that is Radha. Hmm. Now, you, you know, just as an aside, uh, it comes to me that Plato had the idea that there is a, well, a platonic world, he didn't call it that, but we do, where numbers and equations live, <coughs> hmm, personified, something like that. Hmm? Hmm. That a non-physical realm that the, the like the math of the, uh, that's embedded in the world, you know, math is thought by some mathematicians to be invented, but the majority of them think it's discovered. The equations are discovered. They're embedded in the world. There's a logic embedded in the world. Hmm. So this Golok, these these realms that we're talking about, this something like uh, Plato had a little, you know, connection there with, with India, the Greeks did. And, and uh, it's, it's some of his, his beautiful ideas are, he's thought to be the, you know, what is his name? Um, Whitehead, he said, uh, Albert North Whitehead, famous philosopher, that uh, all the Western philosophy is just a footnote to, to Plato. We take it more literally, perhaps, than he intended himself, but uh, this is an example of, of, of how we do that. We, we, we think that the platonic idea of a world is somewhat analogous in West terms of Western philosophy with what I've spoken about in the sacred text of the Hindus when they speak of Baikuntha, a realm, a, you know, I mean, what is a place, anyway? Hmm? Well, where are we? Hmm? We we very much are in our mind. That doesn't mean to say that I'm promoting some type of pure uh, or unadulterated idealism like Berkeley, um, but uh, but there is a real objective world of matter that doesn't matter hmm? unless we're involved with it. Hmm? And at the same time that it exists, what it is is somewhat relative to how it's perceived. Hmm? How you see it is how you're going to respond to it. Hmm? And so we are all kind of living in the world of our own mind and reading the world through that, in a sense, is in a particular way and functioning accordingly. Hmm? So in, in that sense, the world is, 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 is kind of an idea. Hmm? So now if we can purify the, 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 the antakarna, the subtle body, the mind, the intellect, the chitta, these are, uh, of course, buddhi, chitta, manas, ahankar, these are yogic uh, uh, sankhya terms that speak about subtle matter. Hmm? something that's not accepted very much in the modern scientific or Western philosophical uh, community. But there is some going in that direction because the, the effort, as I've often said, to, to reduce the mind um, to, to, to the physical is really proven to be very problematic, hmm? extremely problematic and difficult. And, um, and so there's, there, 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 there are some who are beginning to posit that perhaps there is a, there is an ontological reality called mind 
mind stuff, and it has certain laws of its own. It's also matter, but it has its own. So we keep a monistic, materialistic perspective of their thinking. Hmm? But this is posited in, the, in, in Vedanta, that there is a subtle matter, hmm? mind stuff, and then there is physical matter. Hmm? And we kind of live, really, and our whole experiential reality is in, is in, in mind stuff. And that mind stuff is such that it's a subtle, subtle form of matter that has the capacity to reflect the light of consciousness itself, which is distinct from mind, distinct from the physical matter or the psychic matter. And because it, ref- it has a capacity to reflect this, uh, the light of consciousness, it begins to function like consciousness. And so the mind has, mind has a quasi-subjective, uh, from our perspective, um, is, is a quasi-subjective reality. It's mostly focused on the physical world. That's why I say it's quasi-subjective. <laughs> because if, uh, if our emotions are all focused on, on physical matter, then, then our psychic emotional life is very much tied to the, to the physical world, which is objective. Hmm? So it's quasi-subjective. Now, according to the Gita, the, the mind is such that it could be the enemy of the, of the Atma, the self, or it could be the friend. And yoga is a science, if you will, or an art, of training that mind, harnessing that mind, capturing that subtle body. It all starts there. Hmm? Start with the mind. Capture it. Hmm? And capture it with booty, intellect, that's purified by hearing from good association, from hearing sounds that speak about uh, a reality that could not be known by intellect alone, by the senses alone. I mean, it's very reasonable to, to conjecture that there might be things that we don't know. quite possible. Hmm. Um, We see other species of life don't know things, and we see they know things that we don't know, also. (laughs) So, uh, this is, uh, uh, there's nothing, biologically speaking, from an evolutionary point of view, that would mandate that humans should be able to know everything. Hmm. And the one thing that they've been trying to know forever is themselves. The most used word in any language is is I, Ami. Mm, that's Bengali. There must be uh, well, some other languages. Hindi, Ami also. May. Hmm? May. <laughs> so, uh, it's the most used word in every language and the least understood. Hmm? And what everyone is, is trying to figure out. What am I? Hmm? That I might act in such a way that I could be fully, that I could be content, that I could be happy, that I could be fulfilled. And so, the idea is, of course, revelation. There are, there are, there are, there's knowledge beyond what we can acquire with the senses. There's knowledge beyond what we can acquire with the intellect. There is knowledge we can acquire with the senses through observation 
and reason about with our intellect. And, but the whole picture, hmm, comprehensive knowledge, perfect knowledge, that requires a perfect method to arrive at. And the senses are not perfect methods for acquiring knowledge. They could obviously be mistaken. Hmm? We could see it at night with our eyes what we thought was a person only turned out to be a tree. Hmm? As to give a small example, we could extend the power of the senses through instruments like telescopes and microscopes and so on and so forth, but inherently, hmm? sense perception is uh, is um, good, and, but, but not perfect. <laughs> and then there's reason by which we can reason about things. We can reason what the, there's smoke, there must be fire. Hmm? Of course, not always. Right? The fire could have been put out. Still, there's some smoke left over. So, it's thought, to give a simple example, there's uh, the reasoning power is, is limited. Hmm? We can reason, it's such a subtle thing, su- supple thing, I should say, we can reason in so many ways. Just get into it for a while, anything. And you can find, you can reason as well against a premise that you've arrived at hmm? um, in due course. So, the statement in the sutras is that Tarko Pratishtana, by reasoning you can't get any like real firm standing hmm? in terms of what the whole picture is. So these are imperfect instruments, the thought is, for arriving at perfect knowledge. And so what do we have left then? What, how will we get perfect knowledge? Well, the very nature of perfection is such that it has the power to reveal itself to imperfection and to perfect imperfection. There cannot be imperfection in perfection, but perfection can perfect the imperfect. Hmm? So if the finite wants to know the infinite, how is it possible? Well, if the infinite wants to be known, then anything's possible on the part of the infinite. This is the principle, of course, of, of revelation, hmm? by which we can know something that we otherwise could not. And it includes self. The one thing we've been trying to figure out forever. Hmm? Ourself and its prospect. Hmm? So, from that plane to this plane, hmm? if it seeks to choose to reveal itself, and Radha here has been given the name Devi in the uh, in the Tantra, is is the name is being explained in this way by Krishna Das when he says it means illuminating, hmm? brilliance. She is Bhakti Devi, the means, love, if you will, by which, hmm, um, well, if you love someone, then they will tell you all their secrets. It's the perfect way of knowing. In love, there are no secrets. Hmm? So, bhakti is the way forward. Devi, another name for Radha. <laughs> i got to get going because there's quite a few names here in the verse. Sorry for that long explanation. Devi Krishnamayi. Krishnamayi is the next name. He said, Krishnamayi means who's filled with Krishna. Hmm? Whose inside is Krishna whose outside is Krishna, Krishna Mai, 
who sees Krishna everywhere and everything, hmm? who 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 in one sense it means who's who's non-different from Krishna, one with him, and and different from him at the same time as his Shakti. Hmm? She's filled with thoughts of him, thus he lives in her, something like that. Hmm? The idea being that love of Krishna and Krishna are one and different at the same time. You can say there's love and there's the object of love. They're different. But they're one in that you can't have one without the other. If you don't have an object to repose love in, then what? And if there's an object, perfect object of love, but nobody loves them, then that's a problem. So the object of love, in, 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 in all cases, in this case, Krishna, rasa, hmm? rasaraj, corresponds with the love itself, which is embodied in Radha. So they are one. And different at the same time. It's a beautiful idea, kind of a unity and diversity, kind of metaphysic, if you will. So, Devi, Krishna Mayi Prakta, means she's called Radhika Paradevata. So Radhika, of course, is a is a famous name for Radha. We, we readily refer to her as Radha. It is the Puranic name for Radha, the name in which we find in the different Puranas where the stories of Radha and Krishna come up. Hmm? Um, there, are, there is uh, there are the Upanishadic name for Radha also, Gandharvika, as she appears in Gopaltapani Upanishad. The Puranas, of course, now we were talking a little about Bhagavad Purana and how to understand it. Hmm? One thing about Bhagavad Purana, which is the, which is the, the kind of the, uh, the, um, uh, amongst the Puranas, which are a certain genre of sacred literature, the, the Bhagavad Purana is, uh, ex- its virtues are extolled by all of the other Puranas. Hmm? The story of the Bhagavad Purana, of course, is it's the mature work of Vyas, the editor of the sacred texts, in his final contribution to the world. So it's the hub Around which the sacred texts of the Hindus orbit, and by, through which they're by which they're understood in context. Hmm? And one of the things about the Bhagavad, well, I should say, the sacred texts of the Hindus speak to us in different ways. The Vedas are said to speak like a king: do this, do that, and you don't hesitate because if if the king <laughs> says do this and you do that. You could lose your head. So they, they're giving orders. Now, that, that's, that sounds a little ominous and, uh, <laughs> and all, but, but there's affection behind this. There's affection behind this. Hmm? And, and we, we receive these, this revelation through, through saintly people and their affectionate heart had transformed as it is by adherence to the, to the, to the revelation is what captures us. Hmm? And so when the sound of the Upanishads is uttered, then we, we feel there's affection behind it. Like a father could say, in olden times, I guess, <laughs> do this, do that, and no questions would be asked, because we know he loves us, hmm? something like that. Hmm? So the Veda, anyway, it speaks like, like a king. 
or giving orders. The Puranas, which then are another genre of sacred text, in which there are so many narratives, narratives within narratives, fantastic stories within stories, and so forth. This Purana, this type of literature, it speaks like a friend. Hmm? So when a friend wants to talk, let's take a walk. I want to, you know, I want to make a point to you. I might, you know, friends tell a story, sit down, tell you a story, and uh, you know, tell you what this happened to me once. It went like this, uh, and then the guy gets an answer or some solace and, and so forth. So the Puranas, the voice in these kind of texts, is like a friend. In the Rasic literature, in the uh, Kavya, hmm, the, the the voice is like a lover. Hmm? So these are three different genres of of this sacred text. The speciality of the Bhagavatam, which is a Purana, is that it speaks in all three languages. Hmm? And within that, the Purana itself says, Krishna speaking in it, he says, Parokshabhada. The Prokshavad. That is most pleasing to me. Prokshavad means indirect speech. Hmm? Where you say it one thing and there's a secret kind of subtle meaning in it that you could and you don't have to play it out. People just get it and hmm, very nice. Subtle meaning. Hmm? And if you if you if you explain it it kind of brings it down. Something like that. So those who have the Svarudayam, a sympathetic heart to this. They can hear the Parokshavad hmm? and know the meaning. Now, many of the stories in the Bhagavatam, Bhaktivinoda has explained, this is all in Parokshavad. So there's stories being told to make certain points, moral points, philosophical points, theological points that will be helpful to us in our practice and in the culture of satyam param dimahi, in meditating on the supreme uh, truth and attaining that transcendent um, ideal. So something about how to understand the the text and 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 and, and read it. It's a it's a, what eighteen thousand mostly poetic uh, verses, some prose also. So. At any rate, in the Puranic genre of literature, which is full of stories, hmm, then there are the stories of Krishna, the stories of the play, the Leela of Krishna, when the Absolute plays. We were speaking about it earlier. If, in order to play, you have to have power. In other words, in order, let's say, to take a vacation, you got to have some money in the bank, and you got to have some clout with the company to say, "I need some time off." Okay, you take it, take some time off. So, in order to play, you have to have some power. So, the the depiction of the Godhead hmm, that is only playing has nothing to accomplish, no duty, no doesn't have to meditate like Shiva's meditating. He has something to accomplish. Hmm? Brahma's got four heads. He's definitely got something to do. He's a big manager. Hmm? Um, and so forth. And you look at all the goddesses and all the gods in the Hindu pantheon. 
They've all, they're depicted in such a way as to indicate that they've got something to do. And Krishna is depicted as only playing. He has nothing to do. And he who only plays has all power, is the idea. Hmm? This is the idea. Hmm? And is then the perfect object to repose our love in. Only playing, and in the context of the playing, he's loving. Hmm? So, in the Purana, then, we have the stories about Krishna. What these are, uh, are attempts to speak about theological, philosophical realities and the very personification of them, if you will, like Plato's world, non-physical world of, of numbers that are personified and hang out up there. <laughs> Uh, so this is a, 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 a Hindu and Indian uh, Vedanta perspective on a kind of a Platonic idea, if you will. Not that the latter comes from the former. It would be more reasonable to conclude otherwise. That the Platonic idea has its roots in India, not far from Greece, and they had some connection. But... The idea, anyway, they transcend Greece and India and so on and so forth. But there, these stories, they have great power because there are ways in which the Rishis have sought to explain the implications of the revelation to express it, and not only that, how they experienced it. They experienced it like this, where the theological and philosophical principles have a life, and they play themselves out. Hmm? It's a fascinating idea. Hmm? But it's not that far difficult to grasp because we are playing out philosophical and often not theological, but sometimes but philosophical ideas and worldviews. They, they, they have a way of playing themselves out. <laughs> Materialism has a way of playing itself out. It's not very becoming in my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, you know, faith, let's take faith. It's often thought of as kind of an intangible kind of thing that's a, that's a departure from reason. If you don't have reason, I guess, call it faith. Mm-hmm. But faith is really the, 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 the removal of doubt mm-hmm. by which one can move without the burden of intellectual hesitation. Hmm? It talks about a kind of freedom of movement, like you would move at home rather than in a foreign land where you didn't know where to turn, comfortable, at ease. Hmm? And so, is there a world of faith? Well, there's a world of doubt. No doubt about that. Hmm? There's a world that corresponds with the with, with the the doubting function, if you will, of the of the intellect. Here we are proceeding with caution. Hmm? So, why not a world of faith? Hmm? Where there's no doubt. That's hmm? beyond intellect. That's hmm? not a guarded kind of proceed with caution life. Where the heart is moving freely, unencumbered by that burden. Hmm? 
like I've said other times, my task in a situation like this is to try to suspend your intellect, try to speak to you, try to translate the feelings of my heart into logic and reasonable type of discourse that your intellect may be captured for a moment and then we can go into the heart and then this intellect can be suspended and for and that that's good hmm? and you can have a happy heart and you can take some sunscar some impression with you knowingly or unknowingly hmm? it will see it be careful it will, it will cause you to come again <laughs> come again keep coming back hmm? feel familiar Hmm. Want association of like-minded persons, and so forth. Hmm. Hmm. Have a vision. Try to explain it to your friends, and find it's not falling on receptive ears. They think I'm crazy. Hmm. Like the people who see the UFOs, then they try to tell their friends, hmm. and then they can't get any, any, any. Any comfort, any 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 support, so they have to grow, go and join a UFO group, <laughs> something like that. You saw, I saw. All right, let's try it now. Follow the vision, realize the vision. So beautiful stories we find there about Radha and Krishna, depictions of of the Leela. The details. Um, are adjusted in different places to bring home the feeling behind them, the bhava of them. Hmm? Uh, they're very, very powerful hmm? explanations uh, of these uh, ex- experiences of the personification of these theological and philosophical truths. So, anyway, in the Purana, this is the famous name of Radha. Hmm? It comes in the Bhagavad in an indirect way. Aradana, Aradana, uh, Anayaradita Nunam Bhagavan Haridishwara. Just to tell a story for a moment, if some of you are familiar with it, with this time of year, the harvest moon is probably about to come shortly here. A time of fullness and so forth. And, uh, and so Krishna blows his flute and all the milkmaidens come in the middle of the night foregoing all of their their tasks and household duties and so forth to meet with him and and they, they consummate their loving relationship and in the context of the of the love circle called the rasa hmm, uh, lila it's a certain type of um, certain type of um, classical uh, dance they're doing in the forest. Krishna disappears. Hmm? And so they're stopped and, and then they all search after him. Hmm? And they following his footprints and they at a certain point they see another set of footprints. Goodness. Hmm? And some of them say, Ah, Who are they? The ones that knew what the bottom of her feet looked like. Hmm? Those are called manjaris, handmaidens of Radha. 
they are in, they are in the Radha Dasyam, the bhav of of serving Radha in the context of loving Krishna romantically. They conclude no one can satisfy him better than Radha. So rather than compete with her, let us serve her. Hmm? By which they endear themselves to him in ways that would not be possible other, would not be possible otherwise in a way that exceeds uh, any other attempt to do so. This is the math behind the bow of the feeling of the uh, of the of the handmaidens of Radha. Very well thought out. They're smart girls. Hmm? So they knew the what the lines on the feet of Radha looked like. <laughs> Seeing the impression, they said. Anayor, nunam, ana, another, hmm? If they are the footprints of another, aradana, aradana means worship, hmm? nunam. Certainly, nunam, without a doubt, it's, it's, it's clear. See, they're living in the forest, you know, like, Davy Crockett. There's a there's a there's a branch broken here. It means this. It, it means that they're very tuned into the natural environment, <laughs> very down to earth, if you will. So they're reading the footprints in the on the trail, and they said, "It's without a doubt, she has worshipped him, Bhagavan Hari Ishwara, names for Krishna, more than anyone else. Therefore, he's with her." alone. Hmm? Krishna previously, before this we see was successful in capturing the gopis at night by playing his flute, was practicing with his flute. Hmm? He found he had been given a flute by Shiva during the Govardhan Leela. Hmm. And so he used to practice this with his vamsi, his uh, bamboo flute. And he found that by playing the flute he could make water become still like land and make land move like water. Hmm? In relation to the cows, he could play his flute and they would give milk. Hmm? So he found these wonderful powers in the playing of his flute. And so he thought, if I can play the flute in such a way that I could capture Radha's heart, then my flute playing would be successful. Hmm? But that was Harder than making harder than making the land turn into water, and the water turn into land. Tejo vari madam yata vinimayo yata trisargo mersha. Hmm, that was more difficult than that. Hmm? You had to practice. Hmm? Prior to his success, he came close, and all the gopis came to him. Hmm? And he quickly surveyed the scene, and one was missing. Radhika, he sent them all back. Said, "I'm just sorry. I accidentally pressed your number. <laughs> it was I didn't mean to call." <laughs> and all they all went back. This is more of the story. Where was Rod at the time? What was happening to her, and so forth, and, and how Madhu Mangal and Brinda Devi brought her back to life and brought the two of them together. Anyway, that's another story, but. Point is that hmm, he's living for her, her love, and all these other maid, handmaidens. They're thought to be just partial manifestations of different 
emotions of her that, that she fully embodies to serve Krishna at different times completely. A certain emotion of Krishna, of Radha, will is manifest as another milk maiden. Hmm? And he meets with that one and that one. He's really only meeting with Radha all the time. Hmm? But then meeting with her personally, rather than the partial manifestations of herself, that's a big event. Hmm? And he's living for that event. And they are working to bring that about or to create some com- competitive environment hmm? that will bring out other feelings of love in Radha, like, like her being upset with Krishna. Hmm? Jealous love and transcendence. It's, very, it's a very nuanced uh, idea of spirituality. Hmm? Hmm? So, this, anyway, is how in the Bhagavad Purana the name of Radha is found. Why it said, or I asked, why isn't, it, if she's so important, why isn't her name directly mentioned there? Well, you have to understand the genre of the text. It is a Ras Shastra. Nigumakopataro Galitam Falam Sukumakadamatadrabasam Mutam Pibata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam Ahuraho Rasika Bhuvi Bhavukaha. You can just feel what this, 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 the book is about. It's, it's, it's a book of Rasa, a taste of Savor, Savor. It said, uh, it's the ripe, it's the ripened fruit of the tree of the Vedic knowledge. Hmm? And you should, it's, it's, it's so ripe that galitam falam. Falam means fruit, galitam means fallen. It's perfectly ripe, it's fallen. Hmm? So that you can easily go and pick it up. Hmm? And if you taste it, you will pass out. And what we should do when you get up, taste it again, drink it again, hmm? and become a bhavuka, hmm? a mad, mad saint, a mad person, hmm? intoxicated by by prem, by divine love. Hmm? So, it's a special text, the Bhagavatam. Now, in a Ras Shastra, Ras Shastra means the the. Uh, the poetic literatures. Now there are secular poetic literatures, and then there are the spiritual poetic literatures. But the same rules f- with regard to writing hmm, apply in either case. So the rules that govern secular poetry in Indian aesthetics also apply to writing spiritual poetry. Hmm? So one of the rules in 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 Indian aesthetics uh, is that with regard to rasa, rasa means this. When you when you when you write a drama or you make a movie, you are going to portray certain feelings, emotions, and the idea, the objective is to get your audience who's sitting in the chair to be transported into the film itself and to feel and experience the emotions of the hero, the heroine, the 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 supporting actors and actresses. And be and almost transcend the fact that you're sitting there in the in the audience and just be propelled into it to bring out. The, the, so this uh, 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 the height it's thought in the aesthetics of Indi- of of emotional expression is, is something called rasa, when there are certain in, I- emotional ingredients combined, hmm? vibhavas, anubhavs, sattvika bhavs. 
Vyabhicharivavas, Stayibhav, combined in a certain way that reach a peak kind of experience of emotional uh, life. And there are certain emotions that are dominant, like romantic love, the emotion of romantic, is a dominant emotion that could define a person. S- friendly love could define a person. Hmm? Parental love could define a person. Then there are secondary auxiliary emotions that nuance that and so forth. So the the the, the, the dominant emotion, is the center of the of the experience, emotional experience of rasa, and it reaches its height when it's when it's uh, appropriately um, uh, mixed, like like cooking something and adding the right spices hmm, to bring out the full uh, flavor. That that that, that the will become mature hmm, and constitute uh, rasa. So in describing the romantic rasa, one of the rasas, one of the dominant emotions, then there are certain rules. So in the secular poetry, then a wife hmm, I'd say a, 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 a paramour lover, an illicit lover, which typically would be a like a passing thing. If some guy's married and he uh, uh, indulges in infidelity, hmm, then oh, he, hopefully if he's not, you know, somebody that's running for president, he feels bad about it. Hmm? And, uh, and, uh, and so it's just a temporary thing. I, I made a mistake, honey, you know. I'll never do it again. I feel really bad. I may really feel bad about it. Hmm? And uh, so forth. So uh, it's good to keep current sometimes. But <laughs> so, so, so because of the, the fleeting nature of paramour love, of infidelity, it cannot be a locus for the romantic rasa of Madhurya. Hmm? It cannot be. Hmm? Rather, it resides within the, the marital situation where marriage has not, has not come off its peak to be just just friends or just let's keep it together, you know, because we got kids or something like that. So, uh, so, so in, the, in Bhagavatam, Radha is the apparently illicit lover of Krishna. But it's not temporary, hmm? right? If you study the Leela, it's ongoing. It's ongoing. Hmm? It's what the whole. It, 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 it's what the whole story is about. Radha's love for Krishna. So, this is this is sacred poetry now, not the secular poetry. So, Sukadev, who's narrating the text, if you will, or Vyasa, who's writing it down, however you want to think about that, they have a dilemma from an aesthetic sensibility point of view what to do here because the name the point is the name of the illicit lover should not be mentioned hmm? Hmm? so she's illicit but she's not illicit because she's Krishna's God <laughs> and she's supposed to give everything to God and it's just playing out in a drama as if uh, for reasons of 
accentuating it because in romantic in love where there's paramour love, then there are added ingredients of excitement, the possibility of getting caught and so forth that makes it more like uh, intense, something like that. So this kind of comparison is given to love Krishna like, like you might secretly love someone you're not supposed to love and 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 you and you can't contain it and 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 don't get caught uh, something like that so uh, like a young girl the young girl falls in love with a young boy and the parents say look she's from the wrong side of t- he's from the wrong side of town that's not going to work and you put a lock on the door you know and she goes out through the window and the more you try to to stop it the more it becomes an impetus to 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 um, to pursue it, something like that. So this is a kind of love of Krishna that we generally advocate. Hmm? Nothing can check it, hmm? and it has no 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 extra motive attached to it. Hmm? This is ananya bhakti, uttam bhakti, this kind of bhakti. She personifies that kind of bhakti. <laughs> So Sukadev, he's having experience in his heart, the spurti of the leela, and he's narrating it. Hmm? And at the same time, he's got these sensibilities from Indian aesthetics, what to do. I should mention her name, but I'm not supposed to mention her name, but so he comes out in between. Aniyaraditonunam Bhagavan Haridishwara. He says it indirectly. He says, oh, this gopi, worshipped Krishna better, hmm? more. Hmm? We should worship her, is the idea. And he mentions her name in the word Aradhana. The name Radha is derived from Aradhana, which means to worship. Anayaraditonunam Bhagavan Haridishvara, and so forth. Hmm? So this is how her name, Radhika, who is the next name in the, in the verse we're discussing, Paradevata, the Supreme Goddess, Hmm? Paradevata. Hmm? Hmm? How her name is mentioned in the Purana. Radhika Paradevata. Hmm? And what else? Hmm? Sarvalakshmi Mayikanti. Sarvalakshmi Mayi Sarvakanti Samohini Para. So let me speak on this one briefly. Sarvakanti. Samohini, these are two different names. Sarbakanti means who fulfills basically who fills all fulfills all the desires of of, of Krishna. Samohini means Mohini means uh, like uh, bewitcher. Hmm? Samohini who has the power to bewitch Krishna, completely uh, dazzle him, if you will. Hmm? He is called um, Madan Mohan. Madan means Cupid, who can bewilder Cupid. Hmm? Means he can bring an end to lust altogether hmm? by by the comprehensive means of making himself a pure object of love available. Hmm? So. Hmm. While he is called Madan Mohan, she is called Madan Mohan Mohini. He has the power to bewilder Cupid, she has the power to bewilder him. Hmm? 
What is the power then of bhakti? Hmm? Bhakti is making the whole leela possible. As I say, she's making the one who's everywhere, Brahman, and thereby can't move, move, and not only move, but dance. Hmm? Under her influence, who's who knows everything, to lose, to forget, hmm. forget that I'm God, by the force, the power, of her love, such that now there's a possibility of love and intimacy. Hmm. In Radha, there's a little bit of Radha in every devotee. So, hmm. that is bhakti. Hmm. Unless the Godhead steps back from his godhood. How can we be intimate with him? If I was sitting next to the infinite, I would think, oh my God. <laughs> and I would uh, maybe move back a little bit. So he has to take a finite-like appearance for the sake of intimacy. So these are some of the names in the verse. And there's one more. Sarvalakshmi. Hmm? Sarvalakshmi hmm? means that Lakshmi is the goddess of, uh, of fortune. So Sarvalakshmi means that here that she is the source of all the Lakshmis. In other words, with all the with all the manifestations of divinity of Vishnu in the sacred text, Narayana, Ram, Narasimha, Matsya, Gurma, all these different avatars, faces of the Godhead. Um, all of them appear along with their consort. They have different names, but she's always called Lakshmi. Hmm. Brings him good fortune. She's she's her his good luck uh, charm. Makes his life work. Hmm. You know, in all of his uh, forms, something like that. So she, Sarva Lakshmi, she is the source of all the Lakshmis, just as Krishna is the source of all the different avatars. All the different faces of divinity are different faces of himself, and all the different accompanying consorts of those different faces are different manifestations of herself. There, so there is no Vishnu without Lakshmi. Now, Krishna says an interesting thing, and I'll conclude with this. He says that Sarva Lakshmi here also means that Radharani is the all of the opulences, the Sadaishwarya, the six opulences of Krishna. This is an interesting concept because Parasharam or, or Parashara, Parashara Muni, the father of Vyas, he gave a definition of Bhagawan, of God, with, with the word Bhagawan, Bhagawan. And the basic uh, definition of this word in English is, or translation is, is he who possesses all opulence, and then he singled them out. Aishvarya sasima agrasya viryasya yasashashriya jnana bhairagya So, wealth, strength, fame, knowledge, beauty, and renunciation. These things, we are attracted to people who are beautiful. We are attracted to people that are famous. We are attracted to people that are, that are strong. Hmm? Uh, we are attracted to wealthy people. Hmm? Wealth is attractive to us. Hmm? Wealth, yeah. I said wealth, not wealthy people. But wealth and famous people, not the infamous ones. Wealth, strength, fame, beauty. 
we're attracted to knowledge. Hmm? It's like it's like worshipable, you know. And renunciation is also attractive. If you hear that a person is living with in a cave with nothing, you think, well, I'm going to go there and check him out. That's a, he doesn't need anything. He doesn't want anything. Hmm? Then you try to give him all kinds of things, right? <laughs> so these are uh, opulences, as is thought, Aishwarya, that are attractive. And he who has them all in full is all attractive. This is God. So God has all wealth, all strength, all fame, all knowledge, all beauty and renunciation. This is God. And Krishna says, Radha is the opulences of Krishna. Wow. So it's a very complex theological uh, notion, but um, we can go through some of them, perhaps. That Radha is the fame of Krishna. Of course, that's obvious, because Radha is bhakti personified, and what makes a person famous is if people toot their horn, right? And praise them and so forth. So bhakti, Radha, is always engaged in glorifying Krishna and therefore um, there's a little Radha in every devotee. That This is what the devotees do. Therefore he's become famous. If the devotees of Krishna are not chanting about him, glorifying him, then he wouldn't be famous. So his fame is dependent upon her. She is the fame of Krishna. Hmm? Kirtan. Hmm? She is the kirtan, really. Hmm? of Krishna, hmm? the glorification of Krishna. She pers- the, that very idea, that concept, glorified. Hmm? Yeah. Fame, um, strength. How is she the strength of Krishna? Well, what makes a person strong, in one sense, is what they eat. You want to get strong, you got to eat something. If you're weak, eat something. Hmm? So, Radharani is the cook for Krishna. Hmm? It's said that that she received the blessing from the mystic Durvas that whatever she cooked, hmm? that whoever eating the, her cooking would, would would give a long life, and uh, and it had miraculous powers. Hmm? Her cooking, hmm? so it was Yodhishodarani, the mother of Krishna, insisted that uh, she's the queen of of the cowherd community, that uh, Radharani should come to her house every day and cook for Krishna. Now, in the Leela, Radha appears to be married to somebody else. So it's kind of weird that if you're married to somebody else, then you come every day to another guy's house and cook for him. Hmm? But the love of Jasoda for her son was so powerful that she overpowered Jatila, hmm? Radharani's mother-in-law, in whose, in whose house Radharani is, is living with Abhimanyu, who's her husband, who's a... Who's a unbeknownst to most people, is a partial manifestation of Krishna. So she's really only with Krishna. But for the Leela, for the play, she appears to be married to somebody else. So Jatila somehow has been overpowered by the parental love of Yasoda for Krishna hmm? and allowing her daughter to come every day to Yasoda's house and cook for Krishna. But Jatila could only take so much of it. Hmm? Meanwhile, 
her daughter-in-law, who she has such affection for, her, there are rumors about her in the village. Hmm? That, that she lacks fidelity to her husband, Jatila's son. So she calls her daughter, Kutila, and says, you know, I've just about had enough of this. Hmm? It showed her maybe who she is, but I mean, we lo- I love my daughter-in-law like my own son. I can't tolerate the fact that there's this, this, these, these rumors about her uh, having a relationship with Yashoda's son. And every day she's going there to cook. You go, she tells her daughter, go to Yashoda and say, Radharani, we're going to keep her in this house. We're not going to let her go anywhere. So there can be no more rumors about her. And her, her chastity will never be in question again. I can't tolerate that. So we're going to, and Kutila says, how are we going to keep her in the house? She, again, she has to go every day to cook. You tell Mother Yasoda that she's not coming there anymore. So then what, what Kutila, she said, but Mother Yasoda will say that Durvas gave a benediction that whatever she cooked, you know, would have miraculous effects and Krishna is the heir to the throne of the coward community, the son of Nanda, and so she's going to put up opposition. What am I supposed to say when she says that? And Jatila, she says, well, you tell her this. So what? (laughs) What if some sage comes along and says, I give her a benediction, whoever touches her will live forever. Hmm? Does that mean she's supposed to go to another man's house and touch him? Hmm? Embrace him? When she's married to somebody else? Enough of this with these sages. And, and, and what's with the, what is the meaning? Of, I, I doubt the veracity of the, of the benediction. Because if a benediction from a sage results in immorality, then how can that be possible? Who knows? Did Voss even, you know, really do that? Really give this benediction? Hmm? If she, you tell her this, and we'll go this far only. You send Danish to here, up to three times a day if you like. And Radharani will make sweets and you can take them from here and bring them to that guy who's got a taste for a tongue for the sweets. Hmm? <laughs> and that's it. And if that's not enough, we're going to pack up and we'll move out of town. That's what she told. So, that's a powerful uh, 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 complaint. Hmm? And really, Yashoda didn't have a comeback. And so, Radharani was locked in the house. Now, this is causing great pain to Radharani and to Krishna, who are secretly rendezvousing every day, every night. Hmm? Now it's been blocked. And their attendants, their Krishna's friends, Radharani's friends, who are always helping, sending messages and making the intrigue and the, and the rendezvous possible and so forth, they're trying to figure out what we're we going to do now. How are we going to get out of this? The, the whole secret of the whole Leela is that Radha and Krishna... Are, are to be brought to, brought together. Hmm. So problem. So Danishta comes, brings the sweets, or to pick up the sweets. Meanwhile, Radharani is just passed out. Hmm. They made a very cool, soothing... She's got a fever hmm, of separation from Krishna. They made a nice, cool bed for her with flower buds, and they put her on there, and they all just withered, dried up from the heat. They were cool. But her love made the cool hot. 
Then Danishta said, Saki's the friends of Rod said, she's in a passed out condition. Hmm? She's her, she's so hot that she's turning cool things in, in burning them. Hmm? Uh, and Danishta said, well, here, let me, let me, let me say something. I'll tell her I'm here to pick up the sweets for Krishna. When he hear, she hears his name, and an opportunity for serving him arises, even in this difficult situation, maybe she'll come back from her fever. So Dunishta makes the sense. She says, Radharani, I'm here to pick up the sweets for Krishna. Immediately she gets up, hmm? and she goes, she's got the fever, she goes to the, to the, to the, to the stove and turns on the flame and makes it cool. Hmm? Hmm? Prem. <laughs> Has this power? It can make hot things cold and cold things hot. It can it can resolve all contradictions and so forth. And she's the personification of fame. And she cooks the sweets. And then Danista talks with the sakis, and they have a plan. They have hatched a plan. So then they have to play it out. So the plan is whispered into Radharani's ear, and she is to pretend that she's been bitten by a snake. That's the first part of the plan. So Radharani goes outside. And then she, oh, I've been bitten by a snake. And so, so her mother-in-law comes, her sister-in-law. What happened? I saw a jewel, and, and I went to pick it up, and it was on a head, serpent's head, and he bit me. And and now I've, I'm about to pass out. So they bring her in, and what are we going to do? How are we going to um, uh, cure her? And then somebody says, you know, the son of Nanda, he's known for taming snakes. He, he 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 was able to to tame the Kaliya serpent, Agasura. Hmm? He knows how to deal with snakes. And Radharani says, "Don't bring that black snake even near me. I won't have anything to do with him. I'm a chaste lady. I will, and he is always giving me a bad reputation, undeserved. Don't even think of bringing him here." <laughs> <laughs> and so then, it, then her mother-in-law is like, "Hmm, whoa, yeah, yeah she's chased, right? That's what I thought." And she said, "Well, you know, let us bring, let's bring a doctor." And Radharani says, "I will not be touched by any man, <laughs> other than my husband. Hmm? I will not accept any." And, and Kutit says, "These are special circumstances. Those types of rules don't apply when you're sick and in danger. You can eat anything if it will cure you or do anything. But Radharani persists, and Purnamasi comes hmm? on the scene. The elderly mystic Purnamasi, and she says, "I've heard there's a problem here, and I've got the solution. Hmm? The daughter of Gargamuni, Gargi, she has a sister, hmm? and that sister." knows all the arts, mantras, she's very well educated and so forth, more than Gargi herself. Hmm? So let us go get her and bring her here and she can solve the problem. Hmm? So they go together, Jatila, Kutila, the mother-in-law, the sister-in-law, they go with Purnamasi, Danishta, they meet Gargi, and Gargi says, well, it's true, I've got this sister, I don't have the ability I didn't learn that from my father, but she did. She's actually nearby right now, visiting the area. So we can go there and ask her. So they go to meet her. Her name is Vidyabali, and she is Krishna, dressed up like a 
like a like the sister of Gargi. Hmm? So he's all disguised and so forth. And and so they ask her, "You've got to come and save Radha. She's in a desperate situation. You 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 know the power to uh, contra- uh, you say uh, the mantras for uh, curing people bitten by a snake." And she says, "That's really kind of." beneath me and my caste to be involved in the tantric side of things. We are very sophisticated Brahmins. And we don't, that would be really, you know, you're asking me to do that? I mean, so she resists, and so Kutila has to beg her, and and it's an emergency, you've got to, you know. So she says, all right, we can, I, I do know the art, you know. Uh, I mean, it's not something for tantrics, you know. They're not sophisticated people. If you know the Indian culture, the, the tantrics, they're kind of like lower class mystics and so forth of sorts, magicians and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So Krishna's making a point here because the Gaudiya is from the, all the worships from the tantric side and so forth, the high side of that, of course. And it, it, it makes the Brahminical life like the Brahmins who wouldn't. Offer the sacrifice to Krishna when the when the wives would this kind of thing. So, Krishna's making a point here in, in the Leela to philosophical point. Anyway, so he finally she Vidyavali Krishna in the disguise of a girl agrees to go and 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 she says now I've got the mantras in my throat. That's where I keep them, and then I'm chewing pan, tambul, and I put them in there. Now I'll have to take that from my mouth and put it in her mouth. Hmm? Is she going to accept that? She, oh, sure, she's sick. It's not a problem. It sounds weird, but in this circumstance, you know, if it's going to cure the snake bite. So they bring her there. Hmm? And so then uh, here is Kutila, who's always trying to make sure that Radha and Krishna are not together and, and, and so forth. She's bringing them together. Hmm? It's a very beautiful <laughs> Leela. And so then Krishna, in the form of Vidyavali, she, she, she transfers the tambula and so forth, and, 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 and then she turns and says, it's not working. I've tried, hmm? but it's not working. Um, so I need everybody to leave the room. <laughs> I'm going to have to go to another level here <laughs> to solve the problem. So they all leave the room, and all the friends of Radha, they know what's going on, of course. So they say, Kudila, let's, let's stay near the, near the door here so we can listen what's what's going on in there. So Krishna then says, okay, Radharani, you've been bitten by the snake. Now what I'm going to do, my mantra, I'm going to call the snake to come here, and then I'm going to talk to him. Hmm? So he makes a mantra, and he calls the snake, and then he imitates the snake's voice and his own voice, and he says, snake? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, where have you come from and why have you come here? And why did you bite this girl? I need to know this now. Hmm? She said, well, I have come from Benares and um, there, and Shiva, who's prominent there, he, he sent me here. He sent me here to bite Abhimanyu, the, uh, the daughter, the son of, of Kutila, the husband of, of Radharani. And uh, why did you come to do that? He says, because um, her, uh, he hasn't done anything wrong, but her, his mother has been offensive. 
Jatila has been offensive. Hmm? Then Krishna says to the snake, well, why did you bite his wife? Oh, because his wife has uh, part of the benediction of Durvas, the, the Rishi, was that that she would, as long as she was alive, her husband would be alive. So I bit her because when she dies, then it's possible to bite her husband and, and kill him. And I'm coming tomorrow to bite him. <laughs> Kutila, Kutila is like, and Jatila, they're like trembling in there. In the, in the next room, <laughs> so so then um, um, Krishna says, "All right, what is the offense that Jatila has made?" Hmm? Well, Shiva said that she offended the Rishi Durvas by dismissing his his his, his benediction hmm, on Radha and so forth, and he he couldn't tolerate this kind of aparad, this kind of offense. So there's a there's a reaction for this kind of thing, and I'm here. I'm the messenger for that. I'm the bearer of that. Uh, and so Jatila, she just shrieks out uh, overheard and she starts yelling I'll do anything. I, 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 she can eat it. She can cook for Krishna. You know. Uh, and so forth. So Krishna says no, can you say that again? You know. <laughs> and she makes her case uh, very, 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 very clear. And um, and uh, so then the, the snake agrees and 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 leaves and then Krishna cures her uh, Radharani and then Kutila makes a solemn vow before everyone that, that I'll never interrupt this again. He can go. She can go every day and cook and 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 so forth. And this way, she Radharani is the strength of Krishna. And she cooks for him every day. That's why it's thought by Jashoda that he's able to be successful in his exploits in the forest every day when he runs into the demon sent by Kamsa and the boys tell the story of how he defeated this one and that one and so forth because of the cooking. So it's very important so that she come every day and cook for him. So she is this way, the opulence of his strength. Without without him, without her cooking, then there's his position, right? Hmm? So, and then... <laughs> Should we go into any of the other opulences? There's one, another, another one. She's uh, she's the fame. We said she's the strength. She's um, she's the um, she's the wealth of Krishna. The wealth of Prem. It said Goloker Premodhan Harinam Sankirtan. The the, the Prem, that is the wealth of Goloka, of that realm, has been transported here through the Kirtan of. Of, of Krishna's name. Hmm? So the wealth of Golok, hmm? it is said that the, the land is, is, is dotted with uh, desired trees from which you can get any desire fulfilled. But the peculiarity about the place is the people don't ask the trees for anything. Hmm? They have no, they have no, no wants. Amukichu China, Amukichu China. They have no, no desire. They're only, they only love Krishna. That's all. Hmm? So you you know it's, it's described like this. So people might be attracted. The trees you can get anything you want f fulfilled from them. The cows you can milk them. They're kamadenu. Anything from their udders, I should go to that place. But then you, you let me tell you more about it. And in the context of telling more about it, the people don't want any of these things. So what must be the wealth of the place if they don't want these? Take advantage of these facilities. It means 
all, it's a realm in which all their desires are filled, hmm, fulfilled hmm, by loving Krishna. Hmm. So, she is the wealth of Krishna. Of course, we know that Krishna became a beggar for that preem. Hmm? It is said that one day, that um, as it occurs in many days, Radharani was upset with Krishna. This is called man. We're like <coughs> she. It happens for good reasons and for no reason. Hmm? Krishna was actually with another gopi, or there's just a, a rumor that he was and he wasn't. And still, she's upset with him. Hmm? So she was expressing this man, this kind of jealous anger that Krishna derives pleasure from. But it, at the same time, it doesn't allow him to get in her company. So she said, I'm upset with him. I don't want to see that guy's face again. Hmm? You guard, excuse me, guard the door. If he comes around, don't let him in. Hmm? And she very upset with him. For, but this time there was no, not a good reason for it, really. So he made his efforts to approach, and the guards, the gopis said, sorry, you're not getting in here, Buster. No way. <laughs> Me meanwhile, while she ostensibly doesn't want to see him, all she really wants to is, 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 is be with him. So she's in this very torn... Uh, condition hmm? and um, and Krishna's very torn also by not being allowed to uh, u u unite with her so Brinda Devi she has this plan hmm? that she offers she says look you want to go there I've got a plan for you hmm? you have to disguise yourself like a sadhu hmm? take off that yellow Jody, here's some kumkum. Mix it with water, and if you mix red and yellow, it'll become saffron. Hmm? So now you put on this saffron dress, okay? Now you gotta shave your head. Hmm? Just leave a little sita here. Hmm? Now your black complexion will, that will, you know, she'll understand it's you, so you take these ashes, put the ashes all over your body so your body becomes fair rather than dark in complexion. Hmm? Now, you have this tea lock from Vrindavan like this. We're going to give you a new tea lock with a, with a with, let's call it a tosi leaf, this part here. Hmm? Put that on. Put it on in these 12 spots like this. Hmm? Hmm? Now I'll give you a song to sing. And the flute, oh, you cannot keep the flute. That's a dead giveaway. <laughs> here, take this drum. Hmm? A clay drum. Mm -hmm. Take this clay drum. You dress like a sannyasi in disguise. And I'll give you a song to sing. Hmm? This song, the refrain of the song is something like this. It goes, hmm? Aji Radha Prem Vikshamagi hmm? Kanu Fere Dware Dware Hoi. It means that. Hmm, Radha Prem Bhikshamagi. I am a beggar for the Prem of Radha. And, uh, or it's about Krishna. Krishna, Kanu, Krishna, is a beggar for the Prem of Radha and Dware Dware Ho. He's going door to door. Hmm? 
Krishna is going, this is the refrain in the song, Krishna is going door to door now, begging for the preem of Radha. So you come in and sing this song, and then we'll see what happens. So Krishna comes, he's singing this song, Vishaka, Lalita, they hear this song, they see this sadhu, and they hear that line, hmm? <laughs> and, and they think, this is a very beautiful song. Krishna has become a beggar. He's going door to door, begging for for the praying for the love of Radha. Hmm? And they say, Radha, you got to hear the song. Hmm? She hears the song. When she hears the song and she hears the refrain, she says, Asli Shiva Padratam Banashtumam Adarshanam Marmhatam Kurotu Vayatatata Vavridam Tulampato Nat Prananatas Tu Sevanapara. This is the last verse of Shikshastakam, where Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's search, Krishna in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as a sannyasi sadhu, where his flute has become the murdanga drum, hmm, doing Sankirtan. His his effort through Sankirtan was to taste the preem of Radha from her vantage point. Hmm? In the end, of the, it's the end of the book. The last verse of Shikshastakam, Krishna says he's become successful. And these were the words of Radha. Hmm? Radha at this point is in a mood described in in Vidugda Madhava, the fifth act of Vidugda Madhava, called kind of natural uh, preem. The natural condition of the preem is very very nice. It's such that if the if Krishna praises Radha, she she outwardly is neutral and inwardly she's a little troubled by that. Hmm? Doesn't want to be praised. Hmm? If Krishna criticizes her, she takes it as a joke and finds it very charming. Hmm? If she finds faults in his love, it doesn't diminish her love for him. If she finds excellences in his love, it, it, it doesn't increase it. Hmm? So this is this is her natural condition out of which this verse uh, in, in, of Shikshastakam comes. That in Mahaprabhu and this is Mahaprabhu is saying this. His his mission is successful now. Hmm? He's tasting the preem of Radha. He's become Krishna has become Radha. Hmm? Hmm? So she chants this verse, of course, and, and then and then. Then Krishna's, she says, bring him in. Who's that sadhu singing that? Hmm? So her man now, her jealous love is turning into pranai. It's moving from man to pranai. Hmm? And and Radha Krishna pranai, Srupa Dhamma Goswami says, Radha Krishna pranai, vadini shakti rasmad, ekat manova pipuvi, Radha and Krishna, there. Krishna is one, he becomes two as Radha. She is the love of Krishna. The two again become one as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Radha invites him in, sing that song again. Her man is broken, she's in this, her natural condition of love. Has, can I find any fault in Krishna? Hmm? Whatsoever. Hmm? Finding fault in herself only. Hmm? This uh, spirit. Hmm? Mahaprabhu experienced the natural condition of Radha and Shikshastakam. Hmm? So, 
the Lita says, well, you know, she's in a real difficult situation here. Can We don't know what her future is going to be. I mean, she seems to be coming too, but could you, like your Asadu, could you, like, read her palm and tell us what the, what's, what's going to happen? He said, I could read her palm, no doubt, but I can't touch a woman's hand. I'm a sannyasi. No way. He said, now, if she would take off her veil, then I could read her lines on her forehead. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> and then, then her friends say, well, but Radharani will only see the face of her husband. Only, only let a man see, uh, her husband see her face. Nobody else. Hmm. So we said, well, you got to, you know, times of emergency. You got to break the rules. Hmm? So, so they, of course, they lift off the veil, and then he turns them back into Shamsundar, and and the, and the problem is is resolved. They have the union pranai, hmm? and this pranai is, a, is a really a full sense of the word pranai, not just mom turning into pranai, but the kind of pranai that is found in Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Ramananda Roy sees Chaitanya Mahaprabhu turn into Radha and Krishna before him, and then turn back into Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, demonstrating that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the combined form of Radha and Krishna, which resolves the problem of the union between Radha and Krishna, where the two want to become one, and they so become one that Radha starts thinking she's Krishna, and Krishna starts thinking she's Radha, so they're two again. Hmm? So it's an, it's an impossibility here. We need something, a new dynamic solution to the problem is a third thing. The third thing between Radha and Krishna, one and two, is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And he is showing the way to all this. So this way we know something, how Radha is the opulence of Krishna. So I'll conclude with that. And with that, then we take a few minutes to extend the diksha of Harinam, the blessing to chant the holy name as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught us to, to some students who have been hearing these crazy talks for some time now. And can, yeah, can move it here. And have asked that, that uh, I guide them further in this, uh, in, in, with regard to the method to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's madness, that they might become mad with Krishna Prem also. So, there are five ingredients to this, as explained by Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Mm-hmm. Mantra, Tapa, Yagya, Nam, and Pundra. So, there Yagya means sacrifice, so I'm, what, I'm initiating you into the chanting of the holy name of Krishna. Hmm? And that was very much, uh, that practice was uh, on, on, a, on a mala, hmm? it was very much exemplified by Haridas Thakur, uh, who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu called the Namacharya, the person whose example, uh, whose life is the example of how to chant. Hmm? Now he's chanting on beads, but he's chanting on these beads Oh, he did, uh, let's see, about... He did, like, 64 times 3 is what? 
192? 192 times he went around the beads every day. It took him about 22 and a half hours. He's pretty absorbed in the chanting. So um, I'm not going to ask you to chant that much to start with, but we'll work out a number that works for you that you can commit to, the students here, both of you. And, um, and, and to extend to these japa beats which are chanted with the middle finger and the thumb like this, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And so this chanting done out loud is actually a limb of kirtan. When it's done inaudibly, then it is a, a limb of smarnam. We do both things, smarnam and and kirtanam. But kirtanam is the way to smarnam. So it's probably good to chant a little bit audibly so that your mind, which is in between your mouth and your ear, can be captured. Hmm? When your mind is captured, then you can you can also chant um, with the mind, which doesn't even require the beads. You could do it everywhere. So, so the yagya is Sankirtan. So you're being initiated in, this is this is part of the ceremony to give, this is the yagya, Sankirtan yagya. So yagya and tapa and pundra. Tapa means uh, like austerity. It means light. It means knowledge. If you perform austerities, which means you restrain your senses, then you have to go inward even if you're forced to restrain your senses, like being imprisoned or something like that, the way you, you deal with the situation is you have to become more internally involved, philosophical in your thinking, introspective, and so on and so forth. So tapa, it's meant to do that. And um, it means to burn also. What the tapa means in this context here is that in other lineages, they take the symbols of Vishnu hmm, and they make a brand out of them. And then they put the brand in iron in the fire and then they brand the student with the symbols of Vishnu. We don't do that. <laughs> we do have some tattoo, tattoo artists amongst us, but we don't do that. Instead, what we do, and this is the way Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did this, was we, we mark the body with the name of Krishna. That's called tapa. So come first. And this stamp says Krishna. Okay. Then pundra, pundra means the tilak. Tilak means, urdva pundra means tilak of the Vaishnavas, this, this symbol of the, the, the marking, distinguishing from other sects. Like the Shaivites, they have tilak going this way. So it's a, a very nice thing. So, I have tilak. So, mantra, yagya, pundra, uh, tapa. Uh, mantra and Nam. Okay? Now, before I give you the mantra and the name, 
Kirsten, not, the, the name and the mantra in one sense are the same, but I'm also going to give you a name to go by, right? Which will help you to remember what you're living for primarily. So these are the neck beads that uh, remind you also. And people will ask you, what are those nice beads? And then you have to say, well, funny you should ask. Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> Give you a chance to say something about your convictions. And when you voice your convictions, they tend to be more uh, readily solidified. Hmm? So, it's like an Udipana for, for Kirtan or something. So, okay. So, how many rounds will you, will you chant daily? Okay. Now, in this, uh, you should do that every day, and then gradually you can increase, and then um, you should avoid things that, like, uh, you're, uh, uh, you should, um, you should, if you have, if you want um, intimacy in life with a, a, a significant other, hmm, then you should um, make it a sacred bond and stay within that. And the sexual urge is a powerful urge, probably the most powerful of all the sensual urge, urges, and it should be uh, harnessed. Hmm? Harnessed. Everybody agrees with that, right? On some level. You don't just go jump on somebody in the mall because you, you felt like it. Well, some people do things like that, but you get arrested for that. So, we also have a particular worldview, and therefore we, you know, we have a certain um, way in which we seek to curtail that or to harness that energy. So you harness it through a um, a uh, committed relationship, say, because of modern terminology, and then. Um, and then uh, ahimsa is important, uh, and so one of the ways in which we play that is out, of course, in a dietary um, sense by vegetarian diet, and um, and, uh, and don't don't take intoxication and have a have a be gainfully employed rather than speculatively. Hmm? These are some suggestions. That are found in the in the in the Bhagavad Purana for avoiding the influences of of, of, of Kali, age, Kali Yuga. Hmm. Okay, so so your name is and here first give me the ear, then I'll give you the name. Um, no, just quiet. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. My name is Shamdas. Shamdas Kijai. Okay, so we heard all that. 
you trust me? Absolutely. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, so, some new beads here would be appropriate. Beads, and I'm going to give you the Hare Krishna mantra, and I'm going to give you one other mantra. That's, uh, okay? And then um, I'm going to give you the main mantra from for Diksha, but not all the Diksha mantras. Then I'll give you later, another time. Okay? So, you've been chanting for a long time, right? Okay. So, how many rounds are you going to chant? Mm-hmm. Okay, very good, very good. So come. Om Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Krishna, Govindaya, Gupi Janabalabaya, Sahara. Okay, so you got the number of rounds you chant with Hare Krishna, and you chant one round with the second mantra I gave you. Okay? All right. So your name is Bumsi Das. Bumsi Das. Good job. Okay, so very nice to be with all of you. Uh, it's a pretty long program this morning, so sorry for that. Um, but um, what time is it? 